from inside Memorial Stadium in the Huskers Radio Network studio. It's the Husker Nutrition Podcast, brought to you by Midwest Dairy, representing your local dairy farm families. Here's your host, Jessica Cootie, with Director of Performance Nutrition, Dave Ellis. Well, welcome back into our Nebraska Nutrition Podcast, brought to you by Midwest Dairy, representing your local dairy farm families. I'm Jessica Cootie, and back in studio with us, the Director of Performance Nutrition here at Nebraska, Dave Ellis. Dave, it's been a couple months since we had you in, and we have a great view of the new facility. I know you have a big part, a big chunk of that. What's it like seeing it really kind of... Uh, come up fast and furious over here well you can catch me oogling out the window <laughs> on just about every day <laughs> because i'm just fascinated not only with the process and how many people are involved but in the progress they're making but selfishly part of what's up right now is the the future home of the training table i can see it with my eyes now it's very real it's we're not just talking about it and planning we're we're seeing it in action it's great I think the last time we had kind of talked about just the planning, you were still making some tweaks to it, but you have everything in place. It's ready to go. I mean, it's going to be the best of the best, right? I mean, nobody's going to have anything like it in the country. That's correct. It's, it's going to be something a lot of people are going to want to get a look behind the curtains to see what we're doing. And even if they got a look, it's going to be a long time before they can replicate it. So we're recruiting very successfully with it right now. How'd you go through kind of um, what you felt like this training table, this new one needed? And I mean, cause I know you have one right now that a lot mm -hmm. of people would kill for, but you know, when you start maybe diving into what you need for these student athletes, is it something just you dream up in your head? Do you go research? Do you look at other facilities? How do you come about that planning process? You know, this wasn't that complicated. It was, you know, we had retrofitted some things into our current training table that really weren't up to scale that we need. Uh, we need more seats. We need more spaces for the athletes to cook in the life skills kitchen. We need a bigger servery that doesn't get as congested during peak hours. We need a kitchen that can keep up with peak hour production. Just really fundamental fixes. Because what we really have right now is unique and yet it's just not really at the right proportions. Well, um, let's dive into it's January and you've got all these new student athletes coming in that you're working with. We talked in the fall about kind of the process of, of fall camp, but now here we are, we're actually gonna get to talk about from the ground floor, what, what it's like when you get these student athletes in. And I guess let's start with, you know, the, the freshmen and a, you know, a student athlete that's coming in that this is the very first time you guys are getting your hands on them. What's that process like? What is from the start with, you know, when you build a game plan for them and how you want to kind of get their bodies where they need to be, what's the starting process? Well, you know, what's really unique right now is it's a mixture. It's a mixture of people with four years of eligibility that are true freshmen. They got done with school early enough to get in here early in January and get a jump on things. Um, normally that's all we have. And instead now we've got all these portal transfers it might have three, two, or even just one year of eligibility who really need to make the most of this. Mm -hmm. And so granted, they all still come in and they all still go through medical orientation, evaluations and, and academic. And I certainly get my hands on them and strength conditioning does. And before they're finally cleared to get into their workouts. Um, and so the baseline for me is to do a frame assessment on them and 
uh, to determine whether they've the, what their weight carrying capacity is relative to their frame and for the position we've got them targeted for and then assess their body composition as far as their body fat on a device um, called the dual energy x-ray absorptiometry unit or DEXA <laughs> unit for short it's a low energy x-ray historically they've been used to quantify bone in uh, in humans and subsequently spot people that have porous bones and are vulnerable for fractures like you might see in osteopenia and osteoporosis but it turns out they can also tease out muscle and fat mass quite accurately and it's really the gold standard for assessing body composition and it's what is used at the NFL Combine now also. So we have exact same units used at the NFL Combine. We have the uh, knowledge of the standards that have come out of the NFL Combine. That's really wonderful that we can turn around using the same device and assess an athlete and say, you know, based on the position you're targeted to play, you're already lean for your position. You're right on average for what would be happening at the Combine. Or we've got a little bit of room that we need a refinement for body fat to come off to for you to probably be as mobile as you need to be for a position that runs around as much as this, right? So um, there's a lot of key learnings that we get here in this evaluation process. There's education. You know, they've got to learn how to use the training table. They've got to understand the resources that we have for them when they're eating, how they can cook their own food, build their own meals. Um, they have to be educated on our basic philosophy on how we fuel and why we what we're doing uh, and what we're supplementing and where to use and and we get their blood work back to figure out whether they need some you know you, they have some unique issues as far as low vitamin d levels low iron levels whatever it may be history of concussion all could have nutrition implications so there's a lot of in, onboarding you know these kids heads are probably spinning a little bit you know after they've been here for about six seven days but finally, they get through all that, and they, they kind of get into the swing and moving around with the team, and everything's great. So take me through the, the DEXA scan, and um, you talked about it was you see the bone mass and maybe what a frame can carry, but what are you looking for? What are, why is it such an important tool? Well, you know, because it scans them from head to toe, it quantifies body composition, those compartments, bone mass fat mass, muscle mass, as accurately as any tool that we've ever historically had, and we've tried many over the decades. And the, the ability to quantify it accurately and then judge change that occurs over weeks and months of training. So for example, we just started winter conditioning. It's about eight weeks of lifting. It's the window of time where they have the biggest chance to add muscle during the entire year. And to have a tool that can actually quantify before they started and then after it's over, the difference is really valuable. When you can sit back and, and show an athlete the progress they've made uh, and they can quantify it, you know, it really motivates them as to why they're enduring all that they're enduring, that they, you know, that they had these positive adaptations and changes in their body. Body fat went down, muscle mass went up. Bone mass didn't probably go down. It probably refined slightly up. It's a real slow mover, so you don't see big changes there. Um, but, you know, that reinforces, you know, and keeps the athletes engaged and motivated on why they're doing what they're doing, how it works, gives our strength coaches feedback on how well the program's working for the individual athlete and the team at large. Um, it helps the position coaches learn a little bit about the work ethic of the athletes and how they responded to their training. 
along, you know, with all the feedback that we have on their attendance and the, at the training table and at their workouts and their work ethic, their thresholds for work. Uh, we, there's just so many things you learn about somebody's character and work ethic along the way um, that it, it really helps paint a picture of who they are before they put their pads on. And then, of course, we figure out who they are with their pads on, and then that really kind of completes the picture, right, um, as to what, whether we've done a good job of, of identifying talent and getting the right people in here and moving them in the right direction. So this is a time right bigger faster stronger uh that you've put on a lot of muscle and and you're hitting the weight room take us through the the um, I, the relationship and how you go about working with the strength staff to make sure that each athlete is kind of addressing their individual needs because it's not all everybody put on a bunch of muscle right some guys need to trim down it's it's um it's tailored to each individual athlete you mentioned mm -hmm. the different position groups so how do you guys go about kind of getting these plans in place for each individual football student athlete right now during this time yeah it's great illustration actually of the mixed bag that we have it's not just four-year eligible freshmen who just about always have room for to accrue muscle we've got these athletes that have already had a lot of success in the weight room only have a year or two of, of uh, eligibility left as part of the portal transfer process and their requirements might be dramatically different than the freshmen right the freshmen's probably all need to add lean mass and here comes this one or two year eligibility athlete who actually might be pretty squared away might be pretty lean and pretty muscular for their frame and really might need to go in the weight room and not focus on size as much as they need to focus on strength and power and so the kind of workout that you do to get size is different than what you might do to get strength and to get power so size is higher reps short rest uh, strength is heavier weight more rest power is moving the weight a lighter weight faster right and so we do all these things and we don't do them all at one, at one time they usually are sequenced over an eight-week process periodized workouts and this really helps the strength coaches understand who they what the priorities for the athlete are coming in granted we haven't seen them play yet so there's still a lot of key learnings that we have to get once they get into spring ball as to who they are whether their feet are as good as we think, their stamina is really as good as their hand-eye coordination really is good, their motor skills. A lot of key learnings to come yet uh, on the field, but you know for sure this helps dial in uh, the individualized nature of what we're doing. You, you talked about all the kind of different things that these student athletes have to do when they get here, and one of those that you did on Saturday is you had a lot of those new players come in. They you broke down the training table, mm -hmm. you know the cooking, all of that. Um, how important is that to kind of again because it, it isn't just about going to the weight room and and lifting a bunch of weights i mean you do have to balance what fuel you're putting in your body so what are you doing with those athletes when they're coming to the training table mm -hmm. to see it for the first time yeah well i think it's probably a little overwhelming you know is even the, during the recruiting process you don't know what they've retained uh and it was a chance to slow things down uh walk them through all the assets that we have in there, why we have the food grouped in those three steps, uh, what the value stories are on those three steps, how they can go in and create their own food with their own two hands as far as uh, produce making a pizza, making a hot deli sandwich, cooking in the life skills kitchen, making a shake, how to build a healthy plate for an active versus an inactive day, right? You know, they don't eat the same every day. They have to consume more relative to their hardest workout days and less relative to their breaks and training. 
Uh, and athletes locked up for five days in COVID protocol, they're going to need to know what to do, right? They get injured or sick, their activity is going to drop. They need to know how to eat for inactivity. So that sounds kind of odd. You know, you, you think you spend all your time coaching them on how to fuel for performance, but then there's throttle down times where some of them, um, more gifted love handle builders in the group anyway, need to know what they're doing so that they don't uh, eat themselves into some body fat. Have you seen, do some of these guys come in and their first time, do they go all in about, you know, kind of not becoming obsessive, but realizing the importance of, of all of the balancing of the nutrition and, and everything that you guys and your team provides? You know, I was really, I guess I would say I was really impressed with, you know, not only the freshmen have always got a, a blank slate of, of, of information that they're taking in. They're really just sponges. But I, I was expecting probably a little more eye rolling from some of the transfer guys. It was the opposite. They were, they're so mature and they're so dialed in and they want to get it done. And they want to get it right this time. Uh, and maybe they didn't have the resources where they came from to the degree that we have now. And they, to a man, all came up to me just since Saturday and, and said how, uh, you know, interesting it was and how much they learned. And it was just really motivating to me to, to realize that we're reaching, reaching all of them. And I'm sure to varying degrees, but nonetheless, they were engaged and they took it all in. And now they're going to know what they're doing and they're a heck of a lot more than they did before. That's awesome. Yeah. The Husker Nutrition Podcast is brought to you by Midwest Dairy. Finish strong with chocolate milk, a natural source of high quality protein to build lean muscle. The right mix of carbs and protein proven to refuel exhausted muscles, fluid and electrolytes to rehydrate and replenish critical nutrients lost in sweat. You put in the hard work on the field. Chocolate milk will support your recovery off the field. Trusted by athletes, supported by science. Continuing our conversation with Dave Ellis. I did have a question for you. For a freshman that is, say, 6'2", 185, what does it take or what does this athlete need to do to get up to 200 pounds and what's a realistic timeline to do this? Well, if they don't have a bunch of body fat to lose and it's really just a lean athlete that needs to accrue 15 pounds, um, that will probably take all of winter conditioning and a little bit of summer. So maybe one and a half off seasons. So, you know, winter conditioning being the big one, early summer being the second big window for accruing muscle. Um, I think, you know, winter conditioning is probably you can get about four or 5% of their total body weight uh, on in the form of lean mass. If they have, they're not injured, they're not sick, uh, they're aggressive in the weight room, their diet and their sleep is buttoned up, their supplementation's buttoned up. You can have that kind of response, but 15 is a pretty big move. So, like, that's going to be more than one off season. And so, and then, for example, maybe a quarterback that wants mm -hmm. to put on 10 pounds of weight. Um, what goes into that? Like, how do you manage, you know, a quarterback and what their duties are? Because it's got to be different for position mm -hmm. groups too, right? Well, you know, it's, it's a percentage of their existing mass. Do the math. It's uh, four or five percent of their existing mass that you can get on successfully over eight weeks, let's say, uh, with no injuries, no illnesses, and everything kind of being in place, and that they're really doing their due diligence on supplementation, diet, and sleep. And their lifestyle is not a wreck; they're not out partying. 
you know, it, you can get a really robust response. Now, another factor could be that a skill athlete goes out and does so many routes, throws so many balls. Uh, it's kind of like if somebody went over to the basketball court during the winter conditioning and decided they were going to play full court uh, press basketball games, they could water down the response to what happens in their off-season training because they're doing too much, um, too much running around at a time when we're trying to accrue that muscle. So, you know, that we've seen that too, where we've had to kind of police that. And, you know, skilled guys, and especially a new skilled guy that just gets here, kind of trying to get in sync, quarterbacks and receivers in particular, get in sync with each other, have a chance to go out and probably take on, throw too many balls and run too many routes that could water down their response, turn it into more of a 3% or a 2% gain in lean mass. And, you know, it's just going to slow down the rate that we get the job done. Do you guys, is this an ongoing conversation that you have with coaches, mm -hmm. with strength staff to kind of figure out which athlete you want to play at a certain weight? You know, example, you know, again, you know, I was in there when you were talking to Chubba Purdy and about, mm -hmm. you know, where you want him to play or where you kind of suggested maybe where you guys would like him to be at. I mean, how does that kind of process go where you figure out what athlete needs what? You know, it's a two-way street. Uh, what I project them to be capable of Quite often they're looking at me and agreeing, going, yeah, man, bring it on. Let's do that. That's a great number. Um, and then sometimes they'll look at me like, I've never been that big. I don't know that I can still be the athlete that I uh, think I am if I get that much weight on me. And I, quite often we have to kind of coach them a little bit to say, hey, look, we're going to do it gradually. You're going to have a chance to go out and run with that in pads at spring ball. First time you put the weight on, it may feel a little different, but by the time we get done running with it in the heat in the summer, it's going to feel like it's part of you. And quite frankly, if they gained all their weight right before fall camp started, that would be a mistake. That muscle, you know, gain it in the winter, test it during spring ball, puts, you know, reacquire or make some more gains during early summer, get that ready for the heat of running around in pads and camp. Uh, with summer conditioning, there's a process to all that where muscle goes from being big to strong, strong to powerful, uh, powerful to well-conditioned, and then well-conditioned to be able to thermoregulate in the heat. That makes it a finished product. And subsequently, when athletes um, try to gain weight at the wrong time of the year, too much, too late, it will feel like luggage, and they will go out into camp, and it will come flying right off. So, you know, once you coach them through that process, it kind of helps them resolve conflicts that they may have uh, about gaining weight, where they probably did do it wrong at one point in their career. They probably did accrue some weight late in the summer and then went out to camp and it came sheet flying off and felt terrible. That, oh, okay. So there is a bit of a, a, an approach, a process to this. Yeah, yeah, there is. How helpful is it that you do have a strength and conditioning background? Because mm -hmm. we talked about it in the first podcast that, you know, there wasn't necessarily a nutrition major, mm -hmm. you know, when you were going through school. But so you kind of started off strength and conditioning. Um, and I know work, they work so closely together. How beneficial has it been for you to kind of have that background when you're talking to these athletes about it? Yeah, it's um, critical that I speak strength coach. <laughs> and it's critical that I understand uh, adaptation. And I think anybody who's going to work in sports fueling should have some knowledge about uh, what the athletes 
are enduring, what the priorities are for the time of the year that they're training, and then subsequently there'll probably be um, a fueling strategy that kind of uh, is a overall predominant priority, uh, you know, for the time of the year and then for the goals of the individual athlete. So, you know, periodization of training and understanding when they're going to be at their sorest and, you know, as far as muscle damage and having interventions that are targeted at the, for the most invasive periods of training or for the most exhaustive phases where they're not going to get sore, but they're going to do so many reps that they're completely, they empty the tank and that they are going to need more calories and carbs in particular to support the activity of the volume of training or for the copious amount of fluid that's going to be lost out in the heat wearing pads. You know, there are some dietitians that really just may not get that first go and it may take them a year of being around sports before that really hits them all over the head. But for sure, the dietitians that I bring in here are trained to understand these nuances and, you know, they should be savvy to knowing, you know, when is the right time of the year to prioritize what. I can always tell if I'm talking to a rookie dietitian to simply asking him something like, you know, is it a good time to gain weight in season? Well, of course not, because we're trying to train our way into that weight. It's an off-season, a process to lift heavy enough to get sore enough to gain the muscle. And you're not going to do that in season, right, unless you're a red shirt. And so, you know, oddly enough, you know, there are just some people that think they want to work in sports, but they lack some of the most basic understanding. And, and being a strength coach probably did not hurt. So obviously dealing with COVID a little bit now, and um, I know it's something that you guys mm -hmm. have had to work through. There was just an article that came out. Where was that article mm -hmm. that just came out that was written on you guys? Athletic business, I think, yeah. Yeah, and just kind of talking about the ever-changing, like how much you've had to pivot and change and adjust. And mm -hmm. um, do you feel like you guys are getting back to normal with the staff? I know you just recently opened the training table back up to have uh, staff here mm -hmm. at, at the athletics department come eat uh, lunch there. But just overall, like the, the personnel, the people that you have on your staff, do you feel like you're getting back to normal? Yeah, I think um, this last, you know, uh, uptick in transmission that's going on globally right now, uh, certainly, we're um, experiencing it right now. Everybody's labor forces are a little disrupted. The supply chain, as a result, is disrupted on what we can always, we don't always get what we've ordered. Um, we've still got isolation meals going for athletes that have a five-day isolation period if they test positive. We have campus testing going on with reentry that has identified a lot of asymptomatic positives where we wouldn't have known. The kid wouldn't have known, uh, the staffer wouldn't have known they had COVID if they hadn't been in testing protocols. Um, and then the good news is it's been a lot of asymptomatic five-day isolation periods or very low symptom windows. Um, and w so are we back to normal? Not quite. But are we overreacting to it the same way we did before we had vaccines? No. You know, I think at the end of the day, the reason we're having such mild exposures is probably because so many people have some degree of vaccination. And thank goodness, maybe this version of the variant here is not as invasive, but obviously the hospitals are still full. It's something we take very seriously. And, um, you know, we want our athletes, 
for all the hard work that they're doing to be able to compete and for that roster to be able to get on an airplane and assemble and, and, and uh, go do what they've trained so hard to do. And so we've just had our first couple of sports miss out on being able to compete because of some of the testing and the asymptomatic positives. Good news is they're going to come right back off those five days and, and hit the ground running. I did um, want to ask about the, those isolation mills. I mean, do they mm -hmm. pick what they want? And I mean, mm -hmm. you guys deliver them to them? Because I mean, you do, you have to keep fueling them even when they can't come up to the training table. That's right. It's a lot of work, the isolation meals are. Um, we assemble those a day's worth of food to be picked up and delivered to them by someone on the, the staff of the team. Um, we handle putting those menus together, a high calorie and a lower calorie version, depending on the athlete. And, you know, for five days, we get them, we get, they get through it and they get back into the training table, uh, masked and take their food with them for another five days. And then after that, they're free and clear to sit back down. So there's a lot of energy that goes into after the first five days, uh, testing to see whether they're still transmitting or not. Uh, if they're symptom free and their their um, antigen tests are negative, they can get back in it sooner rather than later. All right, so circling back to now and kind of what you guys got going on for you specifically, I mean, what does this next couple of months look like as uh, you guys are going through work or the football teams kind of going through these offseason workouts before they get to spring ball? Right, we're, we're wrapping up uh, recruiting. One more official uh, visitor weekend here and a junior day weekend. We're in the throes of winter conditioning for football when it comes to that off-season training where they're going to accrue some muscle. Um, and then we'll go right into spring ball. And spring break will get create a little bit of a break from in the middle of spring ball. Uh, and then we'll uh, wrap the semester up and transition into our summer conditioning before you know it. So things move really quick around here. And second semester always seems to go faster for me. Then the in-season semester where you've got fall camp and then you've got the throat, the challenges of going on the road uh, in a competitive in-season mode. So uh, oddly enough, it'll be summer before you know it. What is recruiting? Because you play, mm -hmm. you kind of have a big role when uh, these guys come in and come onto campus. What is your part in the recruiting these guys when they come on campus? Yeah, well, because the frame assessment is such a big deal, um, I usually... Uh, I'm framing each one of the athletes and meeting with their, the athlete and their families and briefing them on the resources that we have. And, you know, honestly, putting in perspective the historical nature of it. I mean, what we have done here historically on developing athletes with the resistance training in the weight room, um, with the fueling commitment long before it was fashionable, uh, Coach Osborne, his walk-on program that necessitated being better at those things well that's lost i think in a lot of people we have to really explain why we were ahead of the curve on that and you know some people are very knowledgeable when they come in of our history and some it's news to them so you know uh, i usually get to all that and much more during my time with these recruits and then we take them down and feed them in the training table so they get hands-on with all our assets and like i said they might be in there cooking so we, we're, it's a busy weekend. I, I will leave it at that. Like we, 
we are here all weekend quite often recruiting after a week's work and so that's just part of the business do recruits and their families because these are you know a lot of times student athletes that go all over the country on visits are they a lot of times kind of in awe of what is available here as far as our training table here at nebraska i think so i mean i hear it all the time that you know of all the things that were unique and all the things that were a blur from one school to the next you want to have things that are so memorable that they stand out to where when the athlete and the family sits down to make a decision about the safest place where the that's in the athlete's best interest to go because there were more things in place that were really going to help them academically and with their health and with their ability to excel as an athlete that uh, they stand out enough to where you get the nod, right? People that really never thought they were gonna go to Lincoln, Nebraska, come in for a visit and end up making a decision to stay here. Well, that's a big deal. And it's the facilities, the support services, the di are big parts of the differentiation between us and our competition. They always have been historically. What's going on right outside these windows right now will continue to differentiate us. But ultimately, it's the sincerity of the people that they meet along the way and how friendly people are here in the Midwest, I think, that doesn't hurt. Awesome. Well, anything we missed? Did we, did we cover it all? Did we, uh, anything we forgot to talk about? Yeah, you know, we could go on for hours. You know how that is. Um, <laughs> all, it's all good. All right. Well, yeah. Dave Ellis, appreciate your time as always. Mm -hmm. um, always enjoy chatting with you and getting you back in the studio. And we'll look forward to hearing from you again, hopefully soon. All right. All right. And again, thanks to Midwest Dairy for sponsoring this podcast, representing your local dairy farm families. Thanks so much for listening.